You're listening to the P is for Profit podcast with Adam Lean, where it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep and how much freedom you enjoy. Welcome to P is for Profit, a podcast that breaks down business concepts into simple and clear language. This season is dedicated to interviewing e-commerce experts that can help you improve your e-commerce business. I recently had the pleasure of interviewing the co-founder of an agency that helps you find quality freelancers online. So why does this matter? So as the business owner, if you feel like you're wearing all of the hats, then you have a problem. Why is that? You should only really be wearing one hat. And that hat is the thing that you and only you do best. This is the thing that probably got you into the business in the first place. It's the thing that made your business successful and why people like your product or service. And if you start taking on multiple hats, especially in areas that you're not confident in, you'll get stretched too thin. And you know what will suffer? The thing that you and only you are good at, the hat that you should be wearing. So you need to find people that can do the things that you shouldn't be doing. That's why it's important to either hire uh, full-time or part-time or even freelancers, which are sen- essentially independent contractors, they could take the burden of all these other jobs off off of you. Plus, they'll probably do a better job at it than you could ever do anyways. So let's jump into the interview with Nathan and talk about how his company helps you find freelancers. Nathan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, so you own freeup.com. That's F-R-E-E-E, three E's, up.com. Uh, and you help, you essentially help people find pre-vetted freelancers uh, that are in the top 1% of their field. So what made you get into this? Well, what led you to this point? Yeah, so I'm a longtime entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was in college back in 2008. I was a, a broke college kid that, that knew that when I got out of college, I did not want to get a real job. So I started hustling and I started buying and selling people's textbooks. I created a referral program. Before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their books to the point where I got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off. So I, really? I didn't want to, yeah. So I didn't want to. Uh, on what grounds? I was competing what, what with their bookstore. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. there was no legal grounds. I wasn't breaking any laws, but I mean, they, they were a private college. They can tell me to do whatever they want. Um, and, yeah. and I didn't want to get kicked out of school. My parents were both teachers. So I pivoted a little <laughs> bit. I, I, I had sold on Amazon. Um, this was back in, in 2008. No one knew what Amazon was. It was kind of this big bookstore that, people were, were just starting to sell other products on. And I started experimenting with outdoor equipment, sporting equipment, video games, computers, typical college guy stuff that I liked. And I just failed over and over and over. And it wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and found the baby product industry that my business really took off. So there I am as this 20-year-old single college guy selling baby products on Amazon, if you can imagine me doing that. And I, I was crushing business. My parents said, Hey, you should probably start paying taxes. And I met with an accountant. And the first question my accountant asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged him off. Like, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. They're going to hurt my business. And he just laughed in my face and said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. 
Well, sure enough, my first busy season comes around the fourth quarter. I'm not prepared. I'm doing everything myself. And I just get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a day. My social life plummets. My grades go down. And I work my butt off to get to the other side and just keep this business alive. And when I got to the end, I, in January, I thought to myself, man, I can never let that happen again. I need to start hiring people. And I quickly learned that hiring college kids was not very reliable, which pushed me to the remote hiring, the Upworks, the Fivers. And I made some pretty good hires over the years, but I also made a lot of bad hires. And it took up a lot of my time to post a job, get 100 applicants, interview them one by one. And I always wanted something faster. And when I couldn't find that, I said, you know what, I'll build it myself. And that's really what FreeUp is. I took everything that I liked about the other platforms and changed everything that I didn't like. Interesting. So what, what were the things that you didn't like about the other platforms or even the existing platforms? FreeUp is different in four ways. The first way is there, there's no browsing and not everyone can, can create a freelancer account on our platform. If you go on Upwork or Fiverr, anyone can offer services. With us, we get thousands of applicants every week. These are virtual assistants, freelancers, agencies from all over the world. We vet them for skill, attitude, communication, take the top 1%, let them in, and then we make them available to our clients quickly whenever they need them. Um, on the, the back end, there, there's no browsing. You put in a request and we fill it within a business day. And you can always request more people. You can interview them. You can meet with them. If you don't like them, you can click pass and provide us feedback and we'll get you someone else. So it's almost like a, a Tinder of hiring. It's a much faster math making process. And then on the back end, I didn't love the customer support on other platforms. We have 24-7 support in case you have even the smallest issue with any freelancer. And I added a no turnover guarantee that the other platforms didn't have, where if someone quits, which is a huge hassle, we cover replacement costs and get them a new person right away. So those are really the four ways that I tweaked our marketplace to be different than the others. So if somebody isn't in need of a freelancer, and we'll get to what people need in a second, uh, they, they essentially post on your site that this is what they're looking for. And then you vet and sort of give them a, you know, like, like, like top five or how does that work? So we, we normally send one person by default. Most people come to us okay. and they don't want to meet 20 people. But if you say, Hey, send me three, send me five, whatever it is, we're happy to do it. We understand everyone's different. A lot of clients who have been using us for years, trust us. And they just want to get one person and get started same day. And other people are like, Hey, you know what? I want to talk to four different options and then make my decision. Got it. Okay. No, that makes sense. So what in, in your experience and also with uh, owning this business, what are the top positions that people need to freelance that they shouldn't do themselves? <laughs> yeah, that's it, it, always a tough question because every business is in a different place. I like to divide it up into three different levels of people you can hire. The, the followers, the doers, and the experts. The followers, they're, they're virtual assistants outside the US, five to 10 bucks an hour. They're there to follow your systems, your processes. The, the mid-level people, they're specialists. They're graphic designers, bookkeepers, writers. They're, they're there to do projects at a high level. You're not teaching them how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. They're doers. And then you got the experts, the consultants, the high-level agencies that are bringing their own strategy and systems and processes to the table. So what you have to decide as an entrepreneur is, are you stuck in the day-to-day -day operations and you need to get your time back? Or you have these projects building up that you're not good at, that you need to get off your plate? Or are you taking on something, let's say Facebook ads, that yes, you could take a, a, a six months to become a Facebook ad expert, but that's not a great use of your time. And you can't do that with everything in your business. So you want to hire an expert. So it really depends where you are as an entrepreneur. 
Yeah, no, that that's a, makes sense. Followers, doers, and experts. Uh, what is the biggest mistake when people are hiring? Say they're hiring for a doer. Uh, they they know they need creative, cre- uh, created or done for a you know say email marketing strategy. Uh, what's the biggest mistake that people make when trying to find somebody to do this? To me, it's all about setting expectations. A lot of people, they spend a ton of time on their interview process and asking the right questions and references and all that, which is great. But if you don't spend the extra time to set expectations and get on the same page before you get started with someone, you're going to run into a lot of issues down the line. And you have to remember that freelancers work for lots of different clients and you're just one of them. And what one client liked, you might not like. What you assume might be different for another client. So you need to spend that extra time to get on the same page. What's the scope? What's the due date? What's success? What's failure? What are your pet peeves? How are you going to communicate? What, what do you work with? What are the type of people? What are the type of, of work environment you want to be in and communication you want to have with that person? And if you spend that extra time to make sure you're on the same page, and I even give people a chance to back out because I'd much rather someone tell me, you know what, those expectations don't work for me, I can't live up to them, whatever it is, then for me to find out months down the line. So to me, that's what saves entrepreneurs a lot of time when they, when they really spend and focus time on that, those expectations before they even start the project. So what are the types of, what are the most popular types of jobs that people are looking to get somebody else to handle for them? it's such a wide range. I mean, we get a hundred requests a day and they're all over the place. Some people need customer service reps or virtual assistants 20 hours a week. Other people need the graphic designers or they need a landing page or, or they want some blog articles and other people, they need those experts. They want an Amazon agency or a marketing expert to run their ads or or build a Shopify store. Or like right now I'm looking for someone for UI UX to to help me in an area that that I personally struggle with. So it's such a wide range. We live in an amazing time that I mean, unless you need a warehouse worker or a cashier in your retail shop, you can hire almost anything remote nowadays. So, I mean, would it be fair to say that you would recommend you outsource many different functions instead of maybe hiring one full-time person to be a, a jack of all trades instead of a, you know, instead of a master? Yeah, I mean, I, I've learned a, a tough lesson about hiring one person to do everything. Back in the day, I did that. I spent six months. I called them my manager of the day. This was for my e-commerce business. They did orders. They did customer service. They adjusted pricing. There was no Amazon software back then, so there was a ton of manual work. And after six months of training him, I took my first vacation, a well-deserved one, and on the first day of my vacation, he quits on me. So six months of training out the door. And I learned a very valuable lesson, although it was devastating at the time. I'm very happy to, that I learned that lesson early on as an entrepreneur. And when I got back and rebuilt my, my team from the ground up, I departmentalized one, one or two people for customer service, one or two people for listing. And it wouldn't be the last person that quit on me. But the next time that happened, it wasn't as big of a deal. And there are certain people that, that I do find that, that have a lot of different skills and, and I'll use them for certain things. But I always go in with the assumption that anyone can quit at any given time. So I need to make sure that that my entire business is not completely caught up in one person where if they leave, if they get sick, if they, if they get a new job, that, that my business just stops. Yeah, well, that's super important. I completely agree with you. I started an e-commerce store back in 2005 and my first hire was, a, was one person. I, she was the, the general manager, I called her, and she did pretty much everything you just described. Uh, but she was not that 
you know, great at any one thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally understand. What do you, so, you know, our audience is made up of e-commerce business owners. What in, in your experience separates a highly successful e-commerce business owner from somebody that just constantly struggles? <laughs> I mean, people, right now it's all about building a brand. I mean, back when I did it, it was the wild, wild west. I could li list any product on Amazon and, and it would sell. And it didn't have to be my product. I didn't have to have a marketing campaign behind it. Now, fast forward ahead, everyone is selling on Amazon. There's so many courses, so many gurus. If the only thing that you're focused on is 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 the small hacks and the, and the ways to get around Amazon and, and master their, their algorithm, long term, you're not really building a business. You need to have a community and, and, and figure out who your customer avatar is and how do I actually contact them and engage them and direct sales to Amazon, but also have sales outside of Amazon and have an actual brand that, that people recognize. And the people that are focused on building a business and a brand instead of just an Amazon business, that, those are the people that succeed. And and it's funny, I, uh, I had Ryan Moran on my podcast. He's a big e-commerce seller. And he said, only with Amazon will you have people that, that call themselves like an Amazon business. Everywhere else, you're a business. You wouldn't be like, oh, I'm a Kmart business or, or I sell at Target, so I'm a Target business. No, your, your, your business is your brand and Amazon is just one channel of that brand. And the people that look at it like that are the ones that have success long-term. Yeah, totally. I completely agree with you. You can't, you can't commoditize yourself. You can't be just like everybody else because you're not just, you're not going to win in the long run. You're just not. If the barrier to entry is, is that low, <laughs> then everybody's going to, you have to expect everybody to jump on board. So you have to create, uh, well, just like you said, a, a, a brand, something that separates you from everybody else. Yeah, that makes Completely sense. Completely agree. So if you could go back in time to when you first started e-commerce, what is one piece of advice that you would give younger you? <laughs> younger me. So back when I was doing e-commerce, again, it was new. I mean, it was the new thing to do that no one else really understood. And to me, it was kind of like this, this deep secret, right? I didn't want anyone else to know how to do what I was doing because it would hurt my business. And fast forward to today, I mean, there's so many different groups. There's so many resources. There's different gurus and experts out there. And there's so much to learn. And if you do what I did back in the day and you, you just lock yourself in the room and it's just you and Amazon and your team and your manufacturers, you're going to really struggle. You can learn a lot from other people. Most people that you talk to in groups, they're not selling your product. They're not in your industry, but you can still pick up a lot of information. And, and you can learn from others who have figured stuff out and have done things on a much bigger level. So if I could tell my, the younger me to, to stop being ridiculous and stop thinking that I'm holding all these crazy secrets and, and that I shouldn't share with anyone, that, that's crazy. I mean, you should be trying to provide value and helping other people in the community and vice versa. They're, they're going to help you right back and that's going to help you and them build a better business together. Yeah, it makes sense. So you started in 2008, essentially, and you know, it's 2019 now. What What's the biggest change in the e-commerce world <laughs> compared to back then? I mean, outside of the brand stuff that I talked about before is just competition. I mean, China is, has thousands of new sellers popping up every day. You've got all these, these big brands now that weren't focused on Amazon before. I mean, think, think about how many 
brands you see running TV ads that now that Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook are, are really taking over that are going to start investing their dollars there. The, the bigger brands have started to catch on of what the smaller brands can do, which is a, a big issue for, for a lot of other small businesses. I mean, there, there's so much potential to get in front of your audience and target your audience. Back when I was doing it, there, there really weren't any Facebook ads or any way to, to really get in front of, of who you're even selling to. Amazon just held that data and, and you didn't get access to it and you had no idea who you were selling to. So I think the data and the access to who your client, your customer avatar is and, and getting in communities of those people, it, it, that now is the time to do that. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. It, to me, the biggest change also, in, it's along the lines of what you're saying, that it seemed like all of a sudden, it, within like months of each other, I think this is probably back in 2010, I would guess, it seemed like all the big offline retailers woke up to the fact that, that the e-commerce is here to stay. <laughs> and they all of a sudden became a threat. They became, there, was, there was major competition. And it, it, I don't know, it just seemed... Like all of a sudden that, that I was now competing on Google AdWords with these major brands, whereas before I was just competing with other independent retailers. Exactly. And, and I think it's only going more and more in that direction. So that actually leads me to my next question. Where do you see e-commerce going? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're right back. We're right still the beginning of it. I mean, e-commerce isn't going anywhere. It's still growing. They, the people can make a lot of money in e-commerce. It's just not the get quick or get rich quick scheme that it was back back ten years ago. And again, the people that are just focused on how do I how do I manipulate Amazon's algorithm are are going to lose to the people that are like how do I build a brand long term that people actually recognize. And I think the whole customer experience becomes a huge factor. I think the companies that not only sell a product but also have an amazing customer experience that goes with that product. Those are the ones that are going to stand out more and more over time. Yeah, I agree. So when you're vetting in your business, uh, freeup.com, when you're vetting these, you know, top 1%, what do you look for in, uh, in having some, you know, in hiring somebody to, to give to other, uh, to, to your clients? So we look for skill, attitude, and communication. So for skill, we don't need everyone to be a 10 out of 10. There's a time and a place for an 8 out of 10, a 5 out of 10, a 3 out of 10. When we're talking about skill, what we care about is are they honest about what they can and cannot do, and are they priced accordingly? And we have skill tests that we put them through. For attitude, we do one-on-one -on -one interviews. We look for people who are passionate about what they do. If I hate bookkeeping, which most entrepreneurs do, and I do hate bookkeeping, and I hire a bookkeeper, <laughs> They need to love bookkeeping as much as I love being an entrepreneur. Those are the type of people that we want to work with. We want people who don't get aggressive the, things that, the second that things don't go their way, people who can take feedback without taking it personally, people who care about the client and, and their overall experience, not just the money at the end of the day. And then the last thing is communication. And communication is so important. I mean, if you hire someone with a great attitude and a great skill set and you can't communicate with them, Nothing else matters. Communication is the key to everything. And our platform is really built on communication. And for us, communication is, if a, freelanc a freelancer is a business, they should operate as a business. Responding within a business day is a terms of use on our platform. There's also other stuff like being able to get on the same page quickly with a scope and being able to hit due dates. And how do you report personal issues or, or anything that might impact those due dates or the actual work? 
and just strong communication across the board. So for, for us, it, it, we look for the skill, the attitude, the communication. And then once they're on our platform, we hold people to those expectations. If they're taking on projects they can't do at a high level, we're not a place to experiment with our clients. If they any, show any signs of a bad attitude, I mean, we know not every client is rainbows and butterflies, right? There are tough clients out there, but how you handle them and whether you stay professional or not determines whether you get more clients from us. And same thing on communication. If my team has to stop what they're doing and contact you because the client can't get a hold of you, now again, there's a difference between responding in a business day and being available 24-7, but you should have strong communication with your clients and, and we hold people to all three of those. What you mentioned the 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 agreement that the that this freelancer has to abide by, like the, the responding to a client in one day. What are some non-negotiables that they just can't violate? Yeah, so we, we have two things. We have a terms of use and we have our best practices. The best practices are, are optional. They're there to help you. However, if you don't follow the best practices and you get complaints from your client, there, there's not much we can do. You should have followed those best practices. However, you're welcome to run your business however you want, as long as the clients are happy and, and we don't run into any issues. Now, the terms of use and an example of best practices um, is what's a good example of best practices? So like how, like billing hourly for projects and billing for all time. Let, let's say that all meetings are our build time, but establish that with the client up front. You don't want to have three meetings with the client and then have, and then send the client an invoice and the client's like, why are you billing me? We haven't started the project yet. Um, but if you don't follow that best practice and you have your own arrangement where, hey, you don't bill with, for meetings or, or you've come up with some other side agreement with the client that it's fixed price for meetings, whatever it is, that's fine as long as you and the client are on the same page and we don't have issues with it. A terms of use is stuff like responding within a business day, doing all payments through our platform to keep everything safe, not asking clients for, for, for personal information or stealing their information for, for, for your own benefit. Like go, if you work for an agency, stealing their clients. Stuff like that, that that actually has to be a, a terms of use on our platform. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, and I like the fact that you're you're essentially you have these pre vetted people because I totally agree with you. When I in the past, when I've tried to find somebody to do something uh, on a freelance website, it's a pain to have to sift through thousands of people to find to to you know try to find you know one person that could or could not work out um yeah makes complete sense so if somebody's listening and they're they're thinking yeah I, i'm bought in i know i need to offload some of the stuff i'm doing what's the what's sort of the one of the, the lowest hanging fruit or easiest things that they should offload an entrepreneurial type person should offload to a freelancer <laughs> i mean there's so much what, what i recommend doing is creating two lists the first list is everything you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And put in order from easiest to hardest, label how many hours you're spending each week on it on average, and also what is the hourly value of that? If, if you have a task that's 10 bucks an hour and you just started the company and you have no revenue stream, yeah, you should probably be doing $10 an hour tasks. Your time isn't worth that much. If you're a year into your business and your business is making money and, and you're doing over a million dollars a year, you probably shouldn't be doing $50 an hour tasks. You need to hire other people for that. So. The, that's the first list, and you can start at the top and start chipping away, getting your hours back in the week by outsourcing those things to followers because you already have systems and processes for them. And on the flip side, a list of everything you're not good at. Once a quarter, my business partner and I, Connor, we sit down, 
and we say, hey, you're bad at this, but you're doing it every single week. And we create a list of all the things that we're doing that we're not good at. And we hire those specialists and those experts to turn weaknesses into strengths. Those, the average entrepreneur is really only good at one to three things. They might wear a lot of hats, but their core competency is one to three things. So if you can't identify what those things are and figure out how do I surround myself with people that are good at the things that I'm bad at, you're really going to struggle long-term as an entrepreneur. Yeah, it makes sense. I completely agree with you. Most people are, especially entrepreneurs, they're, what, what got them in business is different than what they actually do on a day-to-day basis. They got into exactly. business because of their core competency of the, you know, the two to three things that they are great at. But then all of a sudden, they find themselves having to wear multiple hats. Yeah, if you're a baker and you start a bakery, at some point, you're not going to be baking anymore. You're going to have to hire totally. someone else to do that and, and, and grow the actual business part. 100% agree. Yeah. And that's the catch 22 of, of entrepreneurs is that you, you know, you have to find other people to do the things that you're not great at, but you have to be able to afford them. <laughs> and so it's a, it's sort of a catch 22 situation, but that's where freelance hiring freelancers, uh, you know, offloading one job at a time, uh, you know, so that you can afford it easily. And then just when, once you get, uh, that rolling, hire a second position and, and keep building your business. Completely agree. Yeah. So Nathan, where can people learn more about you and, uh, and your business? So we have a Facebook group called Outsourcing Masters. You're welcome to join. We post a lot of great content to help you hire better. Um, we have our, the free up blog, the free up YouTube channel. We have our own podcast called the Outsourcing and Scaling Show. Um, and if you go to freeup.com with three E's, my calendar, my team's calendar is right at the top. You can book a time with us. We'd love to talk to you about your hiring needs. And if you create a free account, mention this podcast, get a $25 credit to try us out. That's, it's free to sign up. There's no monthly fees. You can put that $25 towards a, a VA, a freelancer, an agency, whatever you're trying to do. Awesome. Okay. And we'll put all those things in the show notes, the Facebook group and uh, freeapp.com and and, uh, and your podcast. Excellent. Well, Nathan, this has been really good information. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. The P is for Profit podcast is sponsored by the CFO Project. We help small business owners and entrepreneurs pocket bigger profits. If you're ready to discover the five changes required to boost your profits this quarter, you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Why Your Small Business Might Not Be As Profitable As It Should Be. Register at the CFO slash video.